There have been many expressions of love, many examples of love, many displays of love, but the old rugged cross popped them off. Never was there an expression of love like the love that God had for us when he went to the cross of Calvary that he might purchase for you and I lost sinners, eternal salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. If that isn't love, I don't know what love is. That was my mother's favorite song of the hundred, five, six hundred songs in the book. Mother's favorite song is the old rugged song. I kind of miss mother not being here today. But she wanted Brother B.A. and Sister Ruth to make this trip especially, and that's love. Thank the Lord for the privilege of being here with each brother and sister today. I'd like to say to everyone here, you're precious. Every soul, every person is precious in the sight of the Lord. As I look around the building today, I, I feel like I know everybody here. I think everybody here knows me. We can't fool anybody. We're just going to have to be truthful. We're just going to have to be plain like we are and let the fear of the Lord do the work. I don't have to preach here today. I'm not really eat up with the preacher bug, but I am addicted to the Spirit of God. And whatever the Spirit calls for, that's what I want to have. Because in Him we live and we move and we have our being. Our church is precious and important to each one of us. I feel like everything that I've got has come from God through his church. It has been my life. It has been my joy. It's been my correction. It's been my pain. And it's been uh, everything that I have needed to bring me thus far. And I appreciate it greatly. Brother Harry mentioned last night about a little bit of connection between February the 14th being a uh, a day recognized in most of the Western world, associated with love. People express their feelings of love on February the 14th. Love for your mother and a mother that serves the Lord and raises you up in the beauty of wholeness is a precious treasure, a very special treasure. Love for your girlfriend, love for your wife, love for your friends, love for your neighbors, that's all expressed on Valentine's Day. But wasn't God good to us on February the 14th? That's right, yes he was. That's right. Didn't he prove his love to us? We who were now not a people are now the people of God. And John, that beloved disciple, I kind of got love on my mind today, if that's all right. That's right. right. We carry that with you. That's John, right. that beloved yeah. disciple, I think probably had the closest connection to Jesus of any of them. He leaned on Jesus. He was close to Jesus. And at that very final hour, when the Son of God, who had all the feelings of humanity, all the feelings of a human person, Yet in him he possessed the spirit of Almighty God, God his Father. And as he hung there on the cross between heaven and earth, I believe that he could look up and see his Father 
but he could look down from that cross and he could see his mother that he loved. And he could no longer be there in the flesh if he went through with the plan that God the Father had for him. It was going to separate him from his fleshly walk with his mother, and that was a pain. That was a human pain in his heart. But as he looked down from the cross and he beheld his mother, he said to John, who I want to read from today, Behold thy mother, and mother, behold thy son. That's how close Jesus felt to John. And this John wrote our Valentine message to us many years ago. And on February the 14th, we got it, didn't we? Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Look at the love that God hath bestowed upon us. We who were nobody. We who were lost, we who had nothing, he gave us everything. That's the Lord. That's right. He gave us everything. He sent out the people from one shore to the other to gather us up. Picked us up from North Carolina. Picked us up from Alabama. Arkansas. Picked us up from Georgia. Picked us up from Georgia. Mississippi. because his father was God. And now he had so much love, Brother Harry, that he wanted us to have that same connection. He wanted us to have that same connection with the Father that we should be called the sons of God. Oh, you make me think of us.
Because we have this special talk, right. because we have this very special love, the world don't understand. They don't know us. Therefore, the world knoweth us not. The world really don't comprehend what they're dealing with. Right. When they're dealing with sanctified people, that's right. They don't comprehend what they're dealing with when they're dealing with this church. That's it's right. really hard to define, but let me tell you, it's a wonderful thing. Yes, it is. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. In this present state, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. This is not all there is. This is wonderful. If this was all there is, I'd want to be sanctified. I'd want to be one of you. But this is not all there is, Brother Tom. There is more to it than this, isn't it? That's right. Therefore, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And as he is, this same writer wrote, so are we in this present world. And every man, isn't this wonderful, isn't this fair, isn't this gracious, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Now in this, the children of God are made manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, and listen to this, neither he that loveth not his brother. And now after going through all of that, we come back to love. You know, you can't preach the gospel without preaching love. It is the base of all the gospel, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that ye should love one another. And let me read you the most familiar, the most quoted, the most published short scripture in the Bible, and probably the least understood scripture in the Bible. God is love. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now herein is our love made perfect. Now let me tell you, 
Love is a wonderful thing. Oh it's a powerful thing. It is powerful. And when it gets up to perfection, it's hitting somewhere. Yes. Herein is our love made perfect. Now, you know, nearly everything that man invents uh, starts out in a kind of crude state, and then they improve upon it, and they improve upon it, and they improve upon it. The cars of 1910 are vast different from the cars of the day. Or the plane that the Wright brothers started with, oh, you wouldn't even recognize it, would you? It began and got improved and improved upon. That's the way man's inventions are. But let me tell you how different the way God's inventions are. The thing that God does starts out perfect. That's right. It starts out in its perfect state. And anything you do to change it, you're bringing it down from perfection rather than taking it up to perfection. That's just how different the ways of God are from the ways of men. That's why this gospel that we received in the beginning is just can't be beat. Can't be improved upon. Let's see. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Love does away with all fear. Love gives you absolute and complete trust. You know, when there is absolute and complete trust between people, it is just wonderful how they feel about each other. There are no barriers. There's no doubt. There's no concern. You're not concerned about how they're going to speak about you or speak to you or do when you don't see it. Perfect love casts out fear. That's the kind of love that God has. Is perfect love. That's, right. That's the only kind he deals with. It's absolutely perfect love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. Fear will drive people to do things they never imagined they would do. And let me tell you, if you get to fearing and you get into an environment where you don't know what is there, such as being in the dark and having an idea what's in the darkness over here and what's in the darkness over there, and your imagination will drive you wild trying to figure out how to cope with what you don't know. But when God surrounds you with the light of his perfect love, it casts out all fear. According to the scriptures, God will judge our love towards him on the basis of our love towards our brothers and sisters. Towards our brothers and sisters. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Isn't that a wonderful commandment? I tell you, I think God loved us when he gave us that commandment. Love casteth out peace. I love the environment of love. If you turn over to the book of Revelation, you get some little bit of writing about the Spirit writing to the churches. And we won't have time to read all this today. But this was writing to churches just like Christ sanctified Holy That's Church. Right. People right. that had received the gospel. And today, you know, we don't know how to appreciate fully what all we do have. Sometimes, have you ever observed a very, very uh, affluent family 
that had just no uh, shortages of any kind of material resources, and they raised their children up, and their children just seemed like they had everything, all the clothes they ever wanted, all the entertainment they ever wanted, all the cars they ever wanted, just everything they wanted. That just somehow or another, you know, it kind of fascinates us to look at that, especially if you were raised up kind of poor like I was, and you just had to appreciate everything that you got a hold of and struggle for it. But you see in that environment, as you look at it from my perspective, is there doesn't seem to be a great deal, some kind of appreciation for all the things that they do have. They have so much, and it seems as unlimited that they don't quite appreciate it like somebody that had to struggle for it. And you know, brothers and sisters, we're in that same position as a church. We're so wealthy, and we're so affluent in the Spirit, and we have so much love. And God has just uh, showered it on us so greatly. There is a danger, brothers and sisters, that we might not appreciate it as much as we should. That we might take it for granted. That we might handle it loosely. That we might not cherish it and love it and care for it as we should. And I don't care what your situation in life is. You can have the very finest of anything, but you don't take care of it and you lose it. Right. The very finest automobile goes into a wreck and doesn't come out much better than the cheapest, does it? And this precious treasure that we have, let's take care of That's it. Right. Let's treasure yeah. it. Yeah. Let's right. love right. it. Right. Let's protect it. And this church over here, uh, I've mentioned it before, but you know, as you read in modern literature today, the publishers tell us that the people of America are most interested in two things. They're interested in love and health. You write some magazine or some story or some book, and you get some title on it that has to do with a person's health or has to do with love, and people will buy it. They're interested in it. Let me tell you, this book here yeah, is full right. of health. That's right. And it's full of love. That's if right. you want something that will give you true love and true health, it's right here. Right. I've told you about the study that was conducted many years ago at Duke University. And when I was there, I got to read some of those reports. And it just comes back to me when I start to appreciate my church and what my church has taught me. This study was conducted under the National Institutes of Health starting back in 1960 when the government was just pouring millions of dollars into health research to find out how to make our nation healthier. And at Duke University, they got just millions of that dollars to conduct one of the biggest research projects that has ever been conducted in America. They screened and selected in the mid-50s 5,000 people that were age 65 at that time. They selected them for different race, for different religion, different ethnic background, different culture. So they had a complete cross-section of 5,000 people at age 65, and they started following those people, their lifestyle, what they ate, what they did with their life, what they did with their time, and they followed them until they died. And that went on for nearly 30 years. And every time, every year, they had all those people in and talked to them, and they kept track of what happened to find out who and what kind of people lived the longest and had the most productive lives. And after about 25 years of studying that, and those people that were 65 then got to be, what, 90? 
90 years old, they had a pretty good tabulation of what was going on, and they found four things that were characteristic of those people that were the healthiest and lived the longest. Those were the people that did not smoke, like sanctified people don't. And it was the people that did not drink, like sanctified people don't. It was the people that got a little bit of exercise every week, uh, at least three times a week. You've got to get your heart rate up to, I don't know how many beats, Sister Mariola. Kind of like going to church and shouting yeah, about three times right. a week, like sanctified people do. And the fourth thing that they found out was the people that lived the longest belong to tough and complex organizations, like sanctified yeah, people yeah, do. Right. And those Thank things will keep you healthy, yeah, those right. things will keep you happy, yeah. and those things will keep you living longer than anything else in the world. Right. Well, the government spent millions of dollars to find that out and just got their conclusions in the late 70s and on February the 14th, yeah, 1892, sanctified people got that prescription and we've been living under it all these years. Right. All these yeah, years I've been following right. that healthy, happy prescription. Yeah. And whether I live another year or I don't, it's the best life there ever was. And to the church at Ephesus I write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, that thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and thou hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience. And for my name's sake thou hast labored and hast not fainted. These people were going at their salvation with vigor. These people were going about their church work with earnestness and with commitment. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Let me tell you, love is important. You can do everything just right and leave out the love part of it, and God is not pleased with it. He is just simply not pleased with it. I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember thou forth from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first work, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will move thy candlestick out of thy place. And then the church of the Laodiceans, the last church that he writes to, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. A lot of subjects in here, but I'll have to move along. I know thy work, that thou art neither cold or hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot, but because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. God don't want us to love in part. God does not want us to love just a little bit. He wants our love to be made perfect in Him. He wants us not to be lukewarm, but He wants us to be hot. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest thou not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold, pride in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes to salve, that thou mayest see, yeah. for as many as I love. Yeah. Now this is another form of love. Yeah. As many as I love, I rebuke yeah. and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, God never intrudes. You can wait for your dying days for God to push his way into your life, and it will never happen. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And who has to open the door? If any man hear my voice and open the door. The opening of the door is He's not a God of all. He's at hand. Right at the door. And I will come in to him and will suck with him and he with me. Those are beautiful scriptures out there. I appreciate the love of God. I appreciate the love of sanctified people. I appreciate the opportunity to love sanctified people. I appreciate the privilege that you give me of loving you. You know, it's difficult to love somebody that don't want you to love them. That's a difficult thing to do. Love is a two-way thing, isn't it? We've learned that uh, with a little bit of experience in life. It's a two-way thing. And I appreciate sanctified people loving me and allowing me the privilege of loving them. If I ever said anything or did anything that indicated to you that I didn't love you, it was a mistake. And I will repent. And I'll apologize for that because I want you to know that I love you with all of my heart. And Jesus said, as he has loved us, we ought to love one another. As I look over the beautiful 93 history, year history of our church, someone told me just recently that John Wesley wrote in his journal before he died, and although we realize that our doctrine comes straight from the Word of God, I think we do have to realize that there probably is a historical link coming down through time that uh, led some knowledge of this from the Methodist Episcopal Church, and though it drifted away, the seed was in there, and our people, God revealed it to our people. But Wesley wrote in his journal before he died that he did not fear that the Methodist societies which he had established would go out of existence when he died, but he did fear that they would lose their zeal and their love for holiness and their zeal for lost souls. He feared that before he died. And I think as we look over our 91 years, 93 years, we can be thankful that we still have a fire in our church, that we still have a zeal in our church, that we still have a love for those that are lost. And our arms as a church are outstretched to everyone who wants to come and benefit in this love that comes from living holy and living sanctified. Our arms are open out to every one of those. And though we, in terms of the churches of the world, we might not be a big organization today, after 93 years, we certainly, I guess in a material sense, have not conquered the world. But I do thank God that the world has not conquered us in 93 years. That we still love the truth. That we're still established on the principles of the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I think as I look at history and I look at organizations and I look at management and I look at the spirit and I look at all the things that are involved in a church and in an organization, I believe the two things that it takes to hold an organization together over time and over generations 
is an adherence to the truth, number one, right. and number two is a love for one another. Right. Either one of those things missing in the ingredient would yeah. cause the church to drift apart and right. not be the church that we have known it today. Right. Let's, brothers and sisters, yeah. as we have up until this time and from this day forward, henceforth, and forevermore, let's stick to the truth. Right. Let's yeah, stick to the standards right. of holiness. Right. Let's stick to the things that have been taught us, that's that right. we know that we have learned and we've grown in and we have uh, fed upon, and let's keep the love of God. That's right. And that's the love right. for one another. Right. Brothers and sisters, let's let it flow from heart to heart. And as we do that, God will continue yes, he to bless will. our church. Right. Everybody pray for us.